Good morning, Parkway Port Lavaca, Parkway Lone Tree, Parkway Online, and Parkway Victoria. I am so glad that you're here with us today. We've got a special service in store. My name is Mike. I'm the senior pastor here, and it's my privilege today to open God's Word with you and to learn and to grow together. But I also want to let you know what's going to happen during our final song at each location. During our time of commitment, we're going to see people go public with their faith through baptism. And so if you have never been baptized after believing in Jesus, I want to encourage you, whether you're gathered at the Grace Chapel or gathered at the Tree or gathered at Parkway Victoria, no matter where you're gathered, make today your day to go public with your faith. And I want to make it real simple because you've got a decision to make. As you get ready to get baptized, we've got shorts and t-shirts and towels and everything for you. Here at Parkway Victoria, if today's your day to get baptized, even as I am talking right now, you can get up from where you're seated and go see Chris. She's standing under the light there. Doesn't she look like an, she looks like an angel standing under that light right now? And so go meet with Angel Chris, and she will take care of you. At Lone Tree in Port Lavaca, wherever you are, just stand up, and Chris and Julie will take care of you. Pardon me. Sam and Julie will take care of you at their location. The Angel Chris cannot go to all locations. So if today's your day to get baptized, you don't even have to listen to the talk. You can go change. You can go get ready. It's a great day to go public with your faith. If today's your day, make your move as the sermon gets started right now. We are walking through the Bible together as a church, and we're entering into the book of James, which is some of the most practical teaching we're going to uncover in our journey through Scripture. And as we look today at a life hack, a life hack is a trick or a perspective, a way of doing something differently. We're going to look at the life hack of dealing with tough times and dealing with troubles. And I'm going to share with you four lessons that I learned as two years ago, I went through one of the most difficult seasons in my life. If you've ever heard the, 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 the rule about Murphy's Law or the statement on Murphy's Law that if it can go wrong, it will. Two years ago, I had one of those years where it felt like Murphy was living in our guest bedroom, or Murphy was my best friend or my worst enemy, because if it could go wrong that year, it did. My mom was in her final months of dying because of Alzheimer's. So there were long trips back and forth to Dallas, hospitals, doctors. It was heartbreaking when I would see her and she wouldn't see me anymore. Just watched her waste away mentally and physically before my very eyes. Two years ago, not only was mom struggling with her health, but the church was having an issue. There was a flashpoint, a problem in our church, and I wasn't the cause of it. I wasn't the reason for it, but I'm the pastor. I'm the leader, so I had to lead and pray and, if I'm honest, worry through it and wonder whether or not I was getting it right. So mom was struggling. There was a challenge in the church. And then my daughter got sick two years ago, and she went from having a respiratory issue to no voice to a dropped face to weakness along the entire right side of her body. We went to doctors and hospitals and pursued every answer, and we found none. We prayed as a small group. My wife took her to every therapy possible so that she would regain her strength and regain her voice. It was one of those seasons that if I tell you what happened two years ago in my life, it was so tough. In fact, it was so tough as I struggled with mom and as we struggled with the flashpoint at the church and as we struggled with my daughter that I could tell you my story from two years ago 
and completely leave out the fact that the eye of the hurricane literally crossed over our communities. I could tell you my story from two years ago and forget the fact that Harvey hit our homes and hit our communities. And it took my attention and it took our church's energy for months to help people deal with the recovery and to overcome the challenges that they were facing. But my year was so bad two years ago that I forget there's a hurricane because of the storm that I was living in. And I learned some lessons on dealing with tough times that I want to share with you today. And they come straight from the book of James. So if you brought your Bible, we're going to open up to James chapter 1. And as you turn in your Bible, James is in the New Testament towards the back of the Bible. As you turn in your Bible, this is the very first Bible passage. The passage I'm going to share with you today is the very first Bible passage that I underlined or highlighted in my Bible. When I became a believer at 17 years old, I began to consume the Bible. I began to read it. I had never read it before personally. I began to read it. I began to underline and highlight in this Bible. In fact, this passage was highlighted blue in my Bible. And if you don't underline or highlight or take notes in your Bible, I encourage you to do it because it puts you in a place and it gives you a memory of when you learned or when you read or when you experienced that Bible verse for the first time or maybe a new truth that you learned from God's Word. Well, I underlined this passage and I turned to the book of James because I didn't know anything about the Bible. My best friend's name was James. So I looked through the Bible. There's James. I like James. Let's read James. Now, obviously, James wasn't the kid that grew up in Sugarland with me. James is the half-brother of Jesus. James is a leader in the early church. And James wrote so that you and I would see the word and live the word and, and follow God as the church. I am so grateful that my best friend's name at the time wasn't Levi. Because I may have opened the book of Leviticus and I would have been in a world of hurt. I don't know if I would have made it through it. But the book of James, this is the passage I underlined and highlighted first. James 1, 2 through 5. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. That was the first passage that I ever began to apply to my life. And as I applied it to 17-year-old Mike, it was, am I facing troubles and trials? Yeah, I'm getting picked on. I used to bring a bottle to the party. Now I bring a Bible to the party. I used to do what I wanted to do. Now I'm publicly following God. And I used to be in one group that was known for one thing. And now I'm a part of this Christian group that's known for many different things. And so I was praying. I said, God, help me. Give me wisdom to know how to deal with the troubles that 17-year-old Mike is facing. You know, in the 10 years since I was 17, you know, in the 30 years since I was 17, I have had to lean on this passage 
these three verses again and again and again and again. Because no matter my age or life stage, there's always something going on where there's a tough time or a trial. And I've got to remind myself of the foundational truth that we learn in James chapter 1, verse 2 through 5. And two years ago, I applied it to my life. And I know two years from now, I'm going to apply it to my life again. And 22 years from now, I'm going to continue to apply it. But what's our life hack for dealing with tough times from James chapter 1, 2 through 5? First thing is this. When facing a tough time, I respond, I don't react. I respond, I don't react. So what I invite you to do when you face a tough time and you get that diagnosis, you get that challenge, you get that like, pink slip, you get it, the trouble or the trial, I want you to push pause. Instead of reacting naturally, I want you to respond spiritually. And I want you to respond as one in whom God is at work. The Bible here says in James chapter 1, verse 2, says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, my immediate reaction when I face troubles and trials is not joy. It might be fear. It might be frustration. It might be anger. But it, my first reaction isn't joy. But my response can always be joy. Because what we've learned as we've journeyed through Scripture, that biblical joy is not situational or circumstantial. Biblical joy is based on our relationship with Jesus. So in moments when I face troubles and trials, I'm going to push pause before I react so that I respond with joy. The Bible says to be still and know that He is God. Whenever you face troubles and trials of many kinds, Before you react, push pause. Be still before God and know that he is in charge. When we face tough times and difficulties, never forget that God was in control, God is in control, and God always will be in control. That's why I can push pause and respond with joy instead of my natural reaction. Second, when facing tough times, not only do you pause, but I want you to pull back. I want you to look for the big picture. Whenever you're in a season or a time or a struggle where you're facing trials and temptations and troubles, one of the things you need to do is pull back and look for the big picture. Because you need to see with perspective what God is doing. Listen to this, James 1, 3 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face troubles of many kinds. Now verse 3. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So the pullback is change your perspective and to get out of the moment and to say, God, I know that you're working. And God, even in my trouble, even in my trial, even in my difficulty, what are you doing? You are producing in me perseverance that is going to complete its work in me. 
I'm going to hold on to you. I'm going to run the race that you've marked out for me. I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to give up. No matter the trouble or the trial or the difficulty that I'm facing, my faith will produce something in this situation. It will produce perseverance in me. And as I persevere, here's what I know God is going to do. He's going to make me mature, complete, lacking in nothing. See, we pull back and we get out of the moment because we need the reminder that in every moment God is at work. If you're raising teenagers, I've got three of them in my family and I love every one of them. But one of the greatest challenges in parenting a teenager is to help them see perspective. To help them pull back from the moment that they're in and see the big picture of life. Because teenagers live in the moment. If it's been a great moment, they are as happy as they could be. And life has always been good. If they're in a difficult moment, a sad moment, life is horrible and it's never going to get better. Boy, I just whined like a teenager, didn't I? But you realize that what they need in that moment is the perspective. Hey, you're having a bad moment right now, but two hours ago you were happy. You're having a bad moment right now, but you need some perspective because tomorrow you've got a day coming that's going to be full of fun. You've got to work now, yes, but tomorrow is fun. You need to pull back and see some perspective. Do you realize that as Christians, some of us are still living like teenagers? Where we're allowing the moment that we're in to define our reaction. We're allowing the moment we're in to define our perspective. And God says, pull back. And see the big picture. You are not letting go of me. And because of your perseverance, because of your endurance, because you're running the race that I marked out for you, you will grow despite this trouble or trial. You will mature and you will be complete, lacking in nothing. Your faith, you'll see that it works in every area of your life. So I push pause and then I pull back. And these first two actions... Set us up for the life hack for dealing with tough times and troubles from the book of James. And here it is. You can fill in the blank. Today's life hack is to respond to tough times with godly wisdom and patience. I don't react. I respond. And how do I respond? I respond with godly wisdom and patience. See, that's what we learn next as we keep marching through this first chapter in James. Not only do I respond, not only do I look at the big picture, number three, you can fill in this blank. I ask God for wisdom. I pause, I pull back, and then I pursue God for wisdom. And if you're like me, you need to be reminded that I should be asking God for wisdom first and not last. When I'm facing a challenge at work, I should say, God, give me wisdom. I shouldn't look for my own solutions and look for my own way out. I should say, God, you give me wisdom. I'm going to ask for it first. When I'm facing challenges, raising kids and making decisions at home, God, give me wisdom. And I'm going to pray for wisdom first instead of seeking your wisdom last. My pursuit will be you first. Listen to what the Bible says about wisdom and our pursuit of it. James 1 verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. 
If you are in a tough season, a tough time, you're facing trouble right now, you need to ask God for wisdom. See, Mike, it makes sense that you would ask God for wisdom. You need God's wisdom at work. Don't we all need God's wisdom as we work? Absolutely we do. Mike, it would make sense that you would ask God for wisdom. You've got this direct connection with God. Well, don't we all have a relationship with Jesus that gives us a direct connection to the Lord? You ask for wisdom in the same way I ask for wisdom, and God hears your prayer just like he hears mine. You want proof that my prayer is no more special than yours? My mom used to love picking lottery numbers. And whenever I was in town, she would have me go buy her lottery tickets because she said, I've got a direct connection with God. And so if I go buy her tickets, she will win. Let me tell you, she never won because my connection's just as strong as yours. As you pray and as you ask God for wisdom, the Bible here says that God gives wisdom to all. He doesn't just give wisdom to pastors. He doesn't just give wisdom to leaders. He gives wisdom to all. And how does he give it? He gives it freely and he gives it generously. And he gives it without finding fault. God's never going to turn to you as you go to him in prayer and say, God, give me wisdom as I'm raising my kids. Give me wisdom as I'm working, God. I don't know the answer to this problem at work. Give me wisdom. God's never going to come to you and say, what do you mean you're coming to me for wisdom again? Can't you figure this out on your own? Maybe in your family, the only vacation you went on, the only trip you went on was a guilt trip. But God doesn't play that way. He's not going to come to you and say, are you kidding me? You're coming to me for wisdom for this? He welcomes our pursuit of him, and we most desperately need to pursue his wisdom. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, listen to this. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. The reason that we pursue God's wisdom, and it's a life hack for dealing with tough times, is because it doesn't work when I lean on my own understanding. It doesn't work when I look at life through my own lens. But instead, I pursue God. I trust in the Lord. And I lean not on my own understanding, but instead I submit myself to him. So many times when we're in tough seasons, we want to know why. We want to know what's going on that's causing this. We want to know why so that we can get out from underneath it as quickly as possible. We want understanding. But what does the Bible here say? The Bible here says, lean not on your own understanding, but instead, in all your ways, submit to him. We want to know why. We want understanding, but God wants submission. We want to know why so that we can develop our own plan, our own strategy, dig our own way out of whatever trouble we're facing. But God says, I want your submission. And when you submit to me, I will make your path straight. We want a plan. God wants a straight path for us. And that comes through us trusting and submitting to him. Right now, you are the expert in your own opinion. I can ask you your opinion on anything, and you're the expert in your own opinion. You realize that you could be the expert in your own opinion in politics? 
and still be wrong? You could be the expert on your favorite football team and still be wrong? You could be the expert on the perfect way to raise a kid and still be wrong? By the way, I once was an expert on how to raise kids, and then I had them. No longer an expert. But do you realize that you could be an expert in your own opinion and be wrong? That's why we can't simply rely on our own understanding, but instead we must submit our way to the Lord. We must trust in the Lord. We must pursue his wisdom, and he gives it to us freely and generously and without finding fault. So if you're in a tough time, you're going to push pause. You're going to wait on God. You're going to pull back and get some perspective. And you're going to pursue God's wisdom for your situation. And then number four, when facing tough times, I wait and I expect God to move. And this one's easy to preach and hard to live. Because when I pause and pull back and when I pursue God, he might just teach me patience. See, patience is one of those words that you don't even want to say because it like makes me stutter a little bit. Because if I pray for patience, God might just give it to me. And that never is easy. But if I am going to see the Lord mature me, complete me, if I'm going to see the Lord make my faith work in life for real, then I must learn how to wait. And none of us like waiting. We don't like waiting in line. We don't like waiting for a table. We sure don't like waiting for God to move. When you've got a child that's living as a prodigal, you don't want to wait. When you've got a question of a job, you don't want to wait. When you've got a a decision that needs to be made that's going to shape your future, you don't want to wait. When there's a diagnosis, you don't want to wait. Nobody likes waiting. But if we don't wait, we'll miss God's work. Listen to how James puts it. James 5, 7 and 8. Be patient then, brothers and sisters. This is a command to believers. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop. Patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm. Because the Lord's coming is near. James is pointing to the return of Christ and telling the church, hey, be patient, he's coming, the Lord is near. And I stand here today and I tell you, be patient, stand firm, the Lord is near. And I also remind you that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. The Lord is near to those who are humbling themselves. So if you're brokenhearted and humbled by life, Wait on God and expect him to work. Like a farmer who plants in the field, you patiently wait for God to work. That farmer plants in the field and then waits for the fall and the spring rains to nourish his crop so that his crop will flourish and produce for him and his family and those around him. Friends, as we wait and expect God to work, we are waiting like a, like a farmer trusting the process. 
We are waiting like a farmer that actually believes that God is in control of the seasons and God is in control of my life and God is working beneath the, beneath the ground and behind the scenes even when I don't see it. We're trusting that God is working. You ever seen an impatient farmer? That would be about the most frustrating life ever to be an impatient farmer. You go out and you work your fields one day, you plant those seeds. Come out the next day, you look to see. Nope. You're kicking dirt. You're angry. You are livid because your work is not producing anything yet. So you leave angry. You come back day number two. Still nothing. There's no sign of growth. There's no activity that can be seen. You're kicking dirt. You're angry. You come back out for day after day after day after day expecting a crop when you know it takes time for that seed to be planted, for germination to happen, for growth to happen, for the blooms to set and for the crop to grow and for it finally to come to be ripe. It takes time. Friends, like a farmer waits, sometimes we have to wait on God. Like a farmer waits and expects the crop to come, we must wait on God and expect Him to work because He is always working. Impatient farmers don't persevere. Impatient farmers go buy their groceries at HEB. But patient farmers produce a crop Friends, as I look back at two years ago in my life, I am so thankful for the lessons that I learned. I'm thankful that I learned how to respond instead of react. My mom has since passed away, as you know, and she is now in the arms of Jesus, fully healed and healthy. So her mind is 100% sharp and her body 100% healthy. That tough time helped my faith grow. I'm so thankful for the difficulties that we've faced in the church in the last decade that have helped grow me and mature me as a pastor. Because God uses tough times to make people like you and me trust Him more and follow Him more and look like Him because we're obeying Jesus. And I'm even thankful for my daughter's illness and God's healing of her. Because I learned to pray again in that time more than I had prayed in years before. I had to humble myself and admit that I don't have all the answers. I had to humble myself and admit that we needed to do everything we could and we couldn't do it all to help her. And I am thankful that God matured my faith in that season. You see, he's always working and his promises always come true. If you're in a tough season, facing a trial or trouble, hold on to Jesus. 
push pause and know that he's in charge. Pull back and see the big picture. He's working in you just like he worked in me and Christy and our family and our church and our communities. Pull back and see and you pursue his wisdom. Don't you ever give up on God and settle for your own understanding. You might want an answer. God wants submission. And he says, when you submit to me, I'll make your path straight. And if you have to wait on God, you wait on God. He is never early. He is never late. He is always right on time. And you can trust him. So with hindsight, I can look back with perfect vision and know that this passage is true. And with my faith ever growing and becoming more mature in Christ each day, I can look ahead and know that this passage will be true tomorrow, not just for me, but for all of us. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the chance to open your word and to learn and grow together today. God, I pray now in this moment that the church would do business with you. Church, maybe there's a place right now where you're facing trouble and you are reacting instead of responding. Push pause. Be still and know that he is God. Stop reacting. You're doing more harm than good. Stop reacting. And be still before God. As you push pause, maybe you need to pull back and just ask God for perspective. Where you can see him working, you can see what he's developing in you and how he's changing your relationships with others. Maybe as you pull back, you need to commit to him to pursue his wisdom. A moment ago, as I was preaching, was there an area that popped up where you said, God, I need your wisdom here? God, I need your wisdom at work. I need your wisdom with my family. I need your wisdom with my finances. I need your wisdom with a health challenge. God, I need your wisdom Ask God for it. He gives freely and generously to all who ask. And if right now you are waiting on God and you're expecting him to move, commit to be patient like the farmer, expecting God to work because he was in charge, he is in charge, and he always will be in charge. Church, as you pray, I want to talk to those that may have never believed in Jesus before. If you're here and you've never believed in Jesus for life, whether you're at Parkway Victoria, Lone Tree, or Port Lavaca, what are you waiting for? The Bible says that you're a sinner who needs a Savior, and God sent the Lord Jesus to be your Savior. He died on the cross, and three days later, he was raised again from the dead to prove that he's God and to prove that he has victory over sin and victory over death. And he invites you to believe. And when you believe in Jesus, he gives you life forever with him in heaven. And he gives you a new life to live for him here on earth. So today's your day to believe. Let's mark it with a prayer. You can pray. Jesus, I believe. 
I believe that I'm a sinner who needs a Savior and that you are the Savior of the world. Thank you for coming for me, for dying in my place and being raised again from the dead. Today, I believe. Thank you for giving me life. 